Father, we're so thankful for this time together. It's such a privilege that we can serve you openly in a nation like ours. We thank you for this day and this season in which we live. As we spend a few minutes in the word, we ask for inspiration. We ask for revelation. For our desires to be transformed even to the image of the Son. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence. You are not a figment of our imagination. You are not a thought. You are a, a real person. And we give you that ultimate place of supremacy here today. Have your way. Lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles. Book of Acts chapter 3. Uh, and I'm going to be reading a few verses from there. From verse 19 to verse 21. Peter is speaking here. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Peter is speaking here, and in other words, he's saying that it is important that we align ourselves with what God is doing. Because when you align yourself with what God is doing, you position yourself to experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And as we experience times of refreshing from God's presence, we will experience restoration in our lives. So an alignment with what God is doing leads to times of refreshing. And times of refreshing leads to restoration. Because we are living in a time where God is restoring all things. When you read the end of the book of Revelation, the Bible says that a time is coming where the current heaven and the current earth will pass away and a new heaven and a new earth will be established forever and God will come and live with his people forever. Now that is not metaphorical. It is actually going to happen. Just like it is proven that Jesus lived on earth historically, we know from historical records, even outside the Bible, about the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. We have a, a reference in scripture to the day of resurrection when Jesus rose up and he ascended into heaven. And everyone was watching him ascending into heaven and after a while, he was taken away with a cloud. And angels appeared to those who stood and said, Why are you crestfallen? The same way in which Jesus is taken from your sight is the same way he's going to return. A time is coming in earth's future where the whole world will see Jesus, the exalted, glorified Christ, come back to earth in bodily form. It's going to happen. There is a time when everything will be changed and everything will be restored but between now and that particular day there are times of refreshing that we can experience and times of restoration 
that we can experience if we align ourselves with what God is doing. You know, this message today is not primarily about giving instructions about what we must do or changes we must make, even though you will see instructions in the content of this message. This message is primarily about recognizing what God is doing in the earth today. Because it's very easy to get distracted by the news. It's very easy to be distracted by the projections and the outlook that economists are giving out. It is important to understand what God is doing and align with it. You know, God does not want us to be ignorant. In fact, there's so many verses of scripture that tell us that God doesn't want us to be ignorant. In Romans chapter 11, the Bible says, don't be ignorant about Israel and what's going on there. Because there is a period in which we live where Israel appears to be blind regarding the true identity of Jesus of Nazareth. But the Bible says, don't be ignorant about that because um, Israel's blindness has just given us an opportunity to, to be saved. Don't be ignorant about that. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says, don't be ignorant about thinking, for instance, that just because you receive a promise, you don't need to walk out that promise with faith and patience. Don't be ignorant. You might receive a word from God. You might receive a prophecy. But remember that the very people that God prophesied to, that he had a promised land for them, and he delivered them from Egypt with a mighty hand, those people died in the wilderness because they did not work out that promise with faith and patience. It says, don't be ignorant. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, it says, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know, if you say, well, I don't know what spiritual gifts are, well, it's your fault because uh, the Bible actually teaches us about spiritual gifts and the fact that you and I can walk in the manifestation of the Spirit. It says, don't be ignorant about that. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, the Bible says, don't be ignorant about the Lord's coming. It shouldn't catch you unawares. In 2 Corinthians 2, 11, the Bible says, don't be ignorant about Satan's strategies. You can understand the strategies of the devil, and as a result, you can resist temptation effectively. So God tells us over and over again that it is important that we are not ignorant. You know, the Bible says, and Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. And he said, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. You know, a lot of us pray that prayer in a mindless fashion. Like, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven absolving ourselves of all responsibility for knowing what his will is in other words when we pray that prayer often it's like well god whatever you just think should happen let it just happen being ignorant of the fact that god wants us to seek out his will so that we can align ourselves with that will through prayer and actions in the earth jesus was saying Pray this way. Pray into the will of God. 
Pray understanding the will of God and understanding how to align yourself with it regarding your actions in the earth. A common verse that Christians quote is Matthew 18, 18, where it says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And we just go about binding things and loosing things. But you know, if you read the same verse in the Amplified Version, it puts it this way. It says, truly I say to you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So we see God working in concert with man. Man seeking out God's plan and then aligning themselves with it. Otherwise you'll find yourself in a situation where you are blessing things that God has cursed and cursing things that God has blessed. He says don't be ignorant. So in this passage, that's Acts chapter 3, we have the Apostle Peter in one of his first messages after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was released. He's speaking to quite a few people. And if you look at verse 10 of Acts chapter 3, you will see that these people were amazed at what was going on. Acts 3.10 says they were amazed. One translation says they were greatly amazed. They were absolutely astounded. They were filled with wonder and amazement. Because they had just seen something and experienced something for which they had no reference point. Let me try to describe what had just happened. The Bible says that Peter and John... You know, in the ninth hour of the day, they went to the temple to pray. And there was this man who had been lame from his mother's womb. And this man looked to them for arms. And Peter and John said, look on us. And he looked steadfastly on, the, on Peter and John, expecting to receive some arms from them. And Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they lifted him up and his ankle bones received strength. And he walked into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw what had happened and they were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed. Because these were two uneducated men. Peter and John. They were both fishermen. They had no degrees. In fact, they probably still smelt of fish. Nobody considered these men to be men of note or pedigree. These were not people that had been prophesied about. I mean, certainly not by name. They were just regular Jews. In our current context, they would just be like regular blue-collar workers. Yet, they had just performed a notable miracle, raising a man that had been lame from birth, that everybody knew. In fact, this man had been there from his early days. So, even during the ministry of Jesus, this man had been at that gate every single day, and they hadn't been healed. Yet, these two men, without note or pedigree, effected this great miracle. 
Now Peter began to speak to them. And the first thing he said to them in verse 12 was that this miracle was not the result of our own holiness or our own power. And then he began to preach the gospel to them. And at the end of his gospel message, he made this statement which I read earlier in verse 19. Where he effectively was saying to these people, align yourself with what God is doing. Because you too are eligible for times of refreshing from the presence of God. And those times of refreshing will lead to restoration in your life. He says, you too are eligible for times of refreshing. Align yourself with what God is doing. Align yourself with what God is doing. You know, the Bible teaches very clearly that we live in a time of restoration. That is what God is doing in the earth. He is bringing about a restoration in the lives of people. This is a time of restoration. And as we embrace this, this must be what we see and declare over our lives, irrespective of what is going on around us. We must consciously align ourselves with what God is doing. We must constantly speak restoration over our lives. Declare words of restoration over your business. Declare words of restoration over your body. Declare words of restoration over your family. Declare words of restoration over the nation. Because that is what God is doing today. He began at Pentecost. And he's continually doing this in the lives of people that align themselves with his will. You know in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20. We see a situation where Israel was confronting an enemy. For which they had no logical reason to expect victory. They were literally overwhelmed and unprepared for this enemy. But in the midst of what was going on after they sought God, a prophet of God in, in verse 20 makes this statement. He said, Hear, O Judah, all inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. In other words, he's saying align yourself with what God is doing and begin to say what God is declaring over your life in this hour. That is the prophetic word. That is the word that must fill your heart and your mouth. That is the word that you must speak over what may look like a valley of deadness, a valley of dead dry bones. You must be prophesying over that valley of dead dry bones that this is my day of restoration because that is what God is doing today. It is what you must speak into whatever looks dark because we are in a time of the restoration of all things and those who align themselves with what God is doing will experience refreshing that is not from here. They will experience refreshing that is coming from the very presence of God. And that refreshing will affect what man cannot do. But we must speak into the darkness and call forth the light. We must speak over the valley of dead dry bones. And command that valley of dead dry bones to become a mighty army. 
Because we live in a time of restoration. That is what God is doing. It's, that's what he's doing in your life. That is what he's doing in your nation. That is what he's doing in your business. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible says to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To everything, there is a season. And to every time, there is a purpose under heaven. So Solomon is contrasting the natural and the spiritual. Things have seasons. And purposes have times. Let's talk about fruit. You know fruit have seasons, don't they? Yeah, and sometimes fruit is in season. Sometimes it's out of season. Now I notice that when you transact in season, things are cheaper. When a fruit is in season, it's cheaper, isn't it? And it tends to be, it, it typically tends to be more nutritious, it seems. Because when it's out of season, it tends to be more expensive. And when you taste it, it's like, why is this mango tasting so sour? And they say, well, it is not in season. So basically, when you transact in season, there is an easier flow, isn't there? Yeah, things flow better when you transact in season. The Bible says that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest Cold and wheat, winter and summer, day and night will not cease. There are seasons for things. You don't sow during harvest season. You don't reap during planting season. If you try to do that, your productivity will be affected. That is literal, natural things. But the Bible says spiritually, for every purpose, there is a time. Well, this in the purpose of God is the time of refreshing. In the purpose of God, this is the time of refreshing and this is the season of restoration. And we need to embrace that in our hearts because, you know, the devil is always going to fight you. He's always going to try to paint a picture. He'll try to draw the blinds of your window so you don't know it's bright outside. You think it's still dark. No, it's actually bright outside. Hallelujah. The, the devil will come against you. He's going to manipulate things around you to try to paint a different picture. But thank God for the word of God. Because the word of God is the truth. And he says, this is the time of refreshing. This is the season of restoration. You know, restoration is very different from repair. You know, restoration is being taken back to the original intent in the heart of God. Being taken back. To the original intent in the heart of God. You know, when you're repairing something, you are typically fixing something which is broken. You are taking that thing back to a state before it was broken. And you can never really get it back to the exact position. Have you ever tried to repair your car? I have great expectations and... I see a great vision for our country, but currently, and they all tell you that, I'm sorry, if your car has electronics, you can't expect us to repair it the way it was originally. We'll try our best, okay? So when you are repairing a car, and they will ask you, even if not the electronics, if it's the mechanical part, do you want original, or do you want tokumbo? And then even with the original, they say, well, do you want China original or German original? 
And, and then they say, ah, but you know, this balloon for the, the suspension is original, but we can't guarantee how long uh, the balloon will last. So a repair is bringing about, taking something back to what it was like originally, but you can't really guarantee that it's the same, it will be the same spec. But a restoration will take you back to the original intent. And when you talk about restoration, talk about cars, for instance. You know, classic cars, maybe an old, I don't know, Porsche 959 or one of these old cars that's been restored. When it's been restored, it is restored to the original intent, but they use latest technology. So it's always better than the original. In fact, a restored car is always more expensive than the original. Because they take it back to the original intent, but over time, technology has advanced, so they are able to go back to the original product and give you a much better experience. You know, Star Wars, the original Star Wars came out in 1977, did it not? And since then, there have been quite a lot of uh, restorations. In 1993, they came out with the, the trilogy again, and it had been digitally remastered. The same scenes the same people, the same plot, but it was a much better experience because in 1977, they didn't have THX sound. So when they remastered it, the sound experience, it was a restored product and it was much better than the original. A restoration takes you back to the original intent, but over time, because of new technology, you have a better experience than the original. I said this is a time of restoration. You know, I said today is about embracing a picture of truth. So when the Bible says times of refreshing are available in the presence of God as we align with what he's doing and it will lead to restoration, our hearts will begin to embrace a different picture of what God wants to do in your life. You know, the man at the beautiful gate was not healed. Because the Bible says that he was lame from birth. He was lame what? From birth. Something was going to happen to him. And he was going to have an experience that he had never had before. A restoration was going to bring into his life an experience that he had never had before. He had never had before. I see that's what restoration does. It is not a repair. It is a restoration. So when you are looking at your body and you are thinking, I am in a season of restoration. When you are looking at your business and you are saying, I understand I am in a time of restoration. When you are thinking about your marriage and you are saying, I understand I'm in a time of restoration, begin to prepare to experience something that you have never had before. That is what true restoration is. Bringing this man into an experience that was in line with God's original intent for him. As I said earlier, a repair can bring a product back to a place of functional utility after damage. But one thing about restoration is restoration is always the product of love. Do a research on car restorers. There's an emotional link here. 
Anyone that is in the restoration business is emotionally involved with the product they are restoring. It is never about money. It is about love. Because the process is arduous, it's painstaking, it is expensive. So it is a result of love to bring that thing to a place that is even better than the original. Given the scale of investment required for restoration, restoration is a time of great grace, of lavish grace. It is never based on the recipient. It is always based on the love of the restorer. Notice this man at the beautiful gates. What did he ask for? What was he looking for? He was looking for arms. Yeah? Could you just give me some money? So that means that what restoration will produce is way bigger than what you can imagine. Because as far as this man was concerned, using the template of his world, just give me enough to be able to subsist for the next week. But because of the love of the restorer, he experienced a resurrection. The amount of investment, the time taken in the process, is always determined by the restorer, not the object of his love. You know, I believe from the word of God that like the man at the beautiful gate, we have never experienced what we are being restored to. We have never experienced it. We have never experienced what we are being restored to or what God wants to restore us to. Remember in, in Romans 3.23, the Bible says, All have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. There is a glory that God wants to restore us to that we have never experienced before. It is a restoration to glory. Now, these are substantial things that we must press into in this season and in this time. Because it will never be said about us that that which was prepared for us, we did not experience. There is a glory concerning your business. There is a glory concerning your marriage. There is a glory concerning the operation of your body. You know, I believe in this time that we're going to have people living longer than they've ever lived before. At the lowest level, I believe with all my heart that as glory is restored, people are going to start living longer. So your expectations concerning the length of your life as you embrace what God is doing has got to change. Your expectations concerning what is possible for you at every phase of your life. You know how they defined that, you know, in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, these are the phases of life. Your expectation concerning what is possible for you has got to change. Your expectations concerning what God can do with the life of a person in which his refreshing is present has got to change. It says, all have sinned and they have fallen short of glory. What I am restoring is glory. And it is not their glory. It is the glory of God. You know, I believe that the Bible teaches that the glory of the restored human being is going to be greater than the glory of Adam before he fell. You know, we've not even come near the glory of Adam. But I'm just trying to tell you that we have a restorer that has great plans for us. It doesn't matter where you are right now. And he's saying, if you will only align with the season, something is going to come from outside the sphere of your understanding, the sphere of your contacts, the sphere of your preparation. 
refreshing is going to come from the presence of God and it's going to bring about a change if only you will align yourself with it. If only you refuse to speak what the devil is saying to you and start prophesying what season it is. You know, the spirit of God dwells in us. And the Bible says that God will not always contend with men. There is a spirit on the inside of you, the spirit of Christ, that is trying to steer you in certain directions. And you are trying to curtail him based on your previous experience. That is what is happening here. There is a contention. There is a spirit on the inside of you that wants to break out through your life. And we keep saying no, 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 no. Because we don't know the season we're in. We think that our eligibility is based on us. You don't understand, uh, I was manufactured in 1977 and you know, this is how my pistons work and it's 30 years since then and everything is in decay. The best I can expect is somebody will pay over the odds for me, you know, instead of 20,000 or let's say instead of uh, 800,000 naira, let's say they pay a million for me. And a restorer is coming saying, there is something that I want to do with you. There is something I want to do in you. And the product will be priceless. And you keep saying, no, you don't understand. 77 is my year of manufacture. He's saying that there are ingredients that are coming into your mind. There are images, there are thoughts, there are imaginations that I want to download into your inner man that will usher you into a place that your family has never been before. Your pedigree has never known before because now you belong to me and I am doing in you with my love that which I planned for you before the foundations of the world. But we're struggling with it. I know it's not going to look like you have that possibility. Because the devil wants to keep you small. He wants to keep you broke. He wants to keep you sorry. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 45 says, As it is written, the first man, Adam, was a living being. It says the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. The first one at best was a living soul. But the last one was a life-giving spirit. The first one was physical the last one was spiritual. Let us look at another verse. I'm going to tie it to this. In John 17 verse 5, Jesus prays this prayer. I'll read verse 5 and verse 22. Remember, the first Adam was what? A living soul. And the last Adam, which is Jesus, was what? A life-giving spirit. Okay. Now, John 17 verse 5 says, And now, O Father, Jesus is praying. He says, O Father, glorify me me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before what the world was yeah he says father glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world was look at verse 22 he says and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one so he is asking God to give us the same glory that he has. And he's saying the glory I have is the glory I had with you before the foundation of the world. So he's praying a restoration of glory on you and I that is different from the glory of Adam. He said, I want them to have my glory. In the same chapter he says, Father, as you have sent me, even so send I them. 
Look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like who? Like him, for we shall see him as he is. Okay, let's analyze that verse again. What is the end product going to be? We're going to be what? Like him. Good. When will we be like him? When we what? See him the way he is. So we're going to be like who? Like him. And we'll be like him when what happens? When we see him the way he is. And what will it take for us to see him the way he is? When are we going to see him the way he is? What does the Bible say? When he is? When he's revealed. When he's revealed, we will become like him because we'll see him the way he is. All right, let's say that together. When he's what? Revealed. We will become what? Like him because we what? See him the way he is. So that means that the key to becoming like him is revelation. When we see him the way he is, we will become like him. So the question is, as soon as we begin to see him the way he is, we'll become like him. When we receive revelation, it changes our understanding of what is possible. When we receive the revelation of the bigness of God, when we receive revelation of the might of God, when we receive the revelation of the wisdom of God, and we understand that this great God, this wise God, this powerful God is resident on the inside of us, something will begin to change in our behavior, in our attitudes, and in what is expressed in our lives because the key to change is revelation. It says if, we, if he's revealed, the more of him is revealed, the more we become like what we see. Hallelujah. And this is what Peter was saying. We need to come to an alignment of what God is doing because right now there's refreshing possible in your life. Right now there's restoration possible. And what God has in mind is way bigger than what you and I are thinking because what we are thinking is not based on our revelation of him. What we are thinking is based on our revelation of our past, our revelation of what we think of ourselves apart from him. Oh, the devil is going to fight this. He's going to fight you because it's a little bit like swimming. I learned to swim when I was in university. Now, one of the most challenging things about swimming, you can get all the strokes and stuff, but the most challenging thing for most people is learning to breathe. Yeah, in fact, a lot of people tell you I can't swim, but I can't breathe. <laughs> God help you with that, you know. The, the most challenging thing is, is the breathing. You're underwater, you're breathing, you know, the strokes, the whole, just the flow of, of swimming and breathing. So, you, you know, the enemy is going to fight you because once you know how to swim and you've learned how to breathe, it doesn't matter where you are, you are good. In fact, you know how to tread water, you can do it for hours. Yeah, once you're reasonably fit and you learn to swim well, you are good. But, you know, if it can stop you from learning how to breathe, yeah, you can flap around all you want, but he knows that five minutes time, you are back to status quo. All right? So the enemy is going to fight you every step of the way because he doesn't want you to break through into, it is not breaking into a miracle. It is breaking into a different sphere of life. This is what's called the high life. It is breaking into a different sphere of life. He's going to fight you. So expect a fight. 
While you are declaring that there is life, all you will be seeing is death. While you are declaring that you have been raised a mighty army, all you are going to be seeing is dead, dry bones. And people are going to come around you and show you how the analysis of the bone structure is so dead that there is no way. <laughs> you understand? They will tell you that this is not an eclipse. It is just darkness. There is no possibility of light in the midst of darkness. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God ordained before that we should walk in them. You know the workmanship. That word workmanship is a restoration word. Because it means that you are the handiwork of somebody else. It means that you are not the product of your own design. You are the product of somebody else's design. He says you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. One translation says that you are his handiwork. You are the product of God's design. What he's designing in you is bigger than what you can design yourself. And that is what Peter is saying that they should come into alignment with. He's saying expand your heart to begin to receive a different revelation. Begin to receive your definition of who you are from the revelation of Christ in you. Because it is the revelation of Christ in you that is the expectation of glory. The only reason why you can expect to walk in a higher dimension of life is when you embrace a picture. When you see a picture of the Christ that is living on the inside of you. He says you are the workmanship of God. That must sit inside. You are the workmanship of God. That will recalibrate your expectations and it will recalibrate your experience of life. So it is not over. It is not over. In fact, it has just begun. Because your destination is glory. Your destination is life forevermore. Your destination is splendor. The splendor of God himself. Because we've read the end of the book. The end of the book is ultimate glory and ultimate restoration. But right now we're experiencing that refreshing and restoration. Hallelujah. I don't care how dead it is, it's coming alive. If you will align yourself with what God is doing and begin to prophesy into it. I don't care how dead it is. It is coming alive. It is expanding. It is growing. It is taking flight. That two-seater engine is going to become a jet engine. And then it's going to go into supersonic mode. Hallelujah. It's going to break the sound barrier. That business will go beyond your locality. It will expand to the nation and the continent. They will hear about you abroad. Hallelujah. Kings will come to your table to ask for counsel. Because you are going to press into a different dimension of wisdom. When people say, you know, forget about this problem. We have tried. You are going to sit with that problem. And you are going to say, Christ is in me. He's the hope of glory. He's ex the expectation of glory. So I am going to sit with this one. And I will unknot this thing. Because there is a refreshing that is coming into my mind. That is outside the sphere of time. I will know what everybody knows. And then I'm going to press into a higher knowledge. I will find the solution. Because Christ is in me. When I see him, I become like him. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So it's a national problem. We will find the answer. That is what we must believe. And we will believe that when we embrace this thought. That this is my season of restoration. There are things that you will give birth to 
that you are not equipped with to, to handle by virtue of your experience. Thank God for experience. You know, it was Ben-Gurion that said that, you know, they are no experts of the future. They are only experts of the things that are past. He said for the future, vision must replace experience. So if God has called us as light, and we are the people that are going to show the world the way to go, then we cannot rest on our experience. Thank God for experience. We must embrace a different vision that is not based on experience. How many people have invented stuff and their invention came out of dreams? One of the Google partners had a dream, did he not? He had a dream. Now you might say, well, that was a subconscious, you know, interrelationship between all the different facts that he had put in his mind. Okay, you go have one of those. <laughs> God is interested in the development of humanity. Do you understand? If God can give Nebuchadnezzar a dream, there's nobody that God will not give things to that has a, a sincere desire to move beyond the limitations of humanity. God will give you dreams. He'll give you visions. You need to know what is known and you need to press into God and expect the glory of God to reveal things to you and he will. Philippians 2.13, the amplified version, it says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectively at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. It is God that's at work in you. He's giving you the desire. He's giving you the energy to do his will. Stop resisting the working of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Stop saying no when he says yes. He says, I've made you for great things. Why is there a tussle on the inside? He's, he's giving you this thought and you say, no, I can't do it. I'm afraid it's too big, it's too much. I can't do it. I don't know why I'm thinking like this. No, he says, it is me that's at work in you. Glory wants to break through your life. Come into alignment. This is a time of restoration. The Bible says that God is restoring the hearts of fathers to their children. There's a restoration of fathers to children. There's an ancestry that you need to plug into. Because God has ordained that we'll stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. If you are doing your own thing, you might be not as effective as you should be. God is bringing a restoration of true fatherhood. There's an inheritance that you need to plug into. You know, when you have an inheritance, things are easier. There's an inheritance of grace. God is restoring in this time the hearts of, their, of fathers to their children. There's a restoration of joy. God is restoring joy. God is restoring the spirit of holiness. God is restoring the years. God is restoring life. God is restoring excellence. God is restoring the harvest. God is restoring a communion of the spirit. There is a restoration. And as we begin to embrace the dimensions of God's restoration, we will start entering into a new sphere of life. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful for restoration. Because you are doing in us what we cannot do ourselves. Your plans for us are bigger than the, the plans we could conceive of ourselves. Holy Spirit of God, as we meditate on your word this morning, open our eyes to see, O oh God. Because we cannot open our own eyes. Only you can open our eyes. As we turn our face toward you, 
Holy God, we ask you to remove any veil, any limitation that prevents us from seeing you in your glory within us. Seeing your sufficiency, seeing your abundance, seeing your wisdom within us. Open our eyes, oh God. Lord, we give you thanks. Because the time of our birth was planned by you. The season of our revelation was planned by you. You caused us to be born in this time. That you might receive glory through our lives. Thank you because there's hope for us. There's hope for our families. There's hope for our bodies. There's hope for our businesses. In you, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom. We ask you to come, oh God. In the name of Jesus.